Hey, I'm Kim Forrester and welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. More than just the mundane or pleasure and pain, Eudaimonia calls for us to create a good life. It's about fulfillment, inspiration, joy. So plug in, relax and get ready for the goodness as we explore the characteristics and daily practices that can help you, your loved ones and your community flourish. Are you willing to stay true to your highest values and moral principles? Would you take an opportunity if it meant compromising who you are or what you stand for? Chris Bettles is the director and co-founder of If Not Now Digital, a UK-based marketing company that specialises in social, environmental and creative projects. And he is the producer of an independent documentary series called The Secret of Change. Through his life's work, Chris aims to help raise awareness of the potential of sustainable development, and he is committed to helping those with the best of intentions to flourish. It's my pleasure to be connecting with Chris today to talk about the importance of integrity and to explore how we can each align our actions and choices with our highest values and principles. Chris Bettles, it's an absolute delight to have you with us on the Eudaimonia podcast. How are things in Bristol today? They are wonderful, thank you very much. It's uh, actually beautiful and sunny for a change. It's been rather wet of late. I was actually going to ask how are things in sunny Bristol, and I thought that that might just be a bit cheeky, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I am really looking forward to talking to you about integrity because through the work that you do, it's easy to see that integrity is a major part of how you step through the world. Now, for me, integrity is one of those concepts that is often misunderstood. Tell me first, what does integrity mean to you and how does it differ from morality or honesty? Yeah, it's a really good question that. And it's one that when you hear it, it makes you want to quickly Google definitions. And (laughs) I've avoided that. (laughs) I've avoided that. I feel that integrity is different to morality in the sense that morality often carries quite judgmental characteristics with it. I feel that we sometimes see it within uh, certain doctrines that enforce views quite heavily. And I, I think integrity is more of a personal living in alignment with one's values. I feel like honesty is more of an an external communication to to someone. I feel like integrity is more personal in a sense. It's like, you know, what do I value? What do I believe in? What, What do I really care about within my life? And am I acting in alignment with that? It's very easy to mislead ourselves sometimes. And to kind of convince ourselves that we are living in alignment with our values, largely because we don't always stop to think about them. Immediately, what I can see from what you're saying there is that honesty is about how we communicate with others. Mm. Morality are, are about the boundaries that we receive from others. But integrity is purely personal. It comes from within. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like it can be interesting to identify whether someone else is living with integrity. You know, you you can certainly ask it about someone else, but I think ultimately it's quite an internal process. Now, you studied criminology when you first left school. So you were basically studying those in society that we would consider to be the most unprincipled. And you were studying the systems we obviously have to deal with these individuals. What did you learn about integrity Mm -hmm. while you were studying criminology? Yeah, 
That's a really interesting one. I think it probably helps to go back to why I decided to study criminology in the first place. And to make the distinction, criminology is not uh, forensic pathology or anything like that, which often gets confused with. It's not crime scene investigation. It's not anything interesting in that sense. It's a, it's a social science. But I did choose to do it with the intention of going into the police or justice system in some way. And that was, I think, because I always had quite a strong sense of justice and mm. felt that that's an important thing to pursue within society. And I think as we grow up, the kind of enforcers of justice around us, you know, the people that uphold justice are police officers, people within the legal system more broadly. And so I thought, oh, well, that's naturally where I'm, I'm led to go. And having studied it for not very long, it was within the first year uh, of my three-year degree, that I realised that I absolutely didn't want to be part of the criminal justice system, either as a police officer or as a criminal lawyer or anything in between. And the reason for that, I think, is that what I saw was a, a very broken system in many ways. And I'm not talking about any specific criminal justice system. I'm not talking specifically about the criminal justice system here in the UK or in the US or other places, I'm talking quite broadly in the sense that there are not many criminal justice systems that are functioning particularly well. There are some, and there are some that have been doing so for a long time. And yet, we see very little change from those that are not. And I felt that whilst many very honourable people go into the criminal justice system, uh, as, as a police officer, for example, with the notion that they can be a better police officer, that they can be a fair you know, person within a less than ideal system and that they can, you know, they can make change. The truth is, I don't believe that is often the case. I feel like people make, you know, everyone can make a difference in whatever they do, Where, whatever line of work they find themselves in. There are ways in which they can behave and conduct themselves that has a positive or at least a more positive impact on those that they come into contact with whether you're you know working at a till on a you know service counter or whether mm. you're you know incarcerating someone for suspected uh, breaching of the law I think you can do that as well as you can and it can have a, a positive impact in some way on the people that you're dealing with and so mm. when you say what, what do I learn about integrity I think I learned that many of our systems that claim to be upholding morality, that upholding justice within our societies are actually doing nothing of the sort. And there are so many different circumstances in which we see people make decisions. And if it's breaking the law, our first and foremost conclusion is, well, they must be someone with no integrity. They must, must have no values. Right. They must have no... Mm. And I think, honestly, that is rarely the case. I think that Certain crimes, perhaps the ones that we think of uh, most vividly when you think when we think of criminals, particularly the violent ones, we think of as being oh you know they must be they must be sick in the head, they must have some kind of mm. you know they must be a, a psychopath or sociopath they, they must have some something missing in order to be able to carry out these, but the majority of crime is pretty boring day to day low level crime, and the majority mm. of people in prison are in prison for those reasons whether that's selling drugs or whether that's uh, stealing or anything else, it is largely 
quite a small level of activity. And there are any number of reasons for which people can decide to do this. And I think when you're looking at a society that is hugely unequal in many ways, the fact that some people break the rules in order to attain a, a sense of equality with those around them is not very surprising and is not even necessarily a, a signal of a lack of integrity. I think, if anything, it's an indication that our society as a whole is lacking in a lot of integrity. Yeah, I love that you bring that up because I, most people would assume that there's an inherent sense of integrity in our social systems, in our justice system, in our journalistic practices. Obviously, you have seen another side to it, and we certainly don't want to you know, burst people's bubble about this. But maybe it's really important for us to look to the systems that are pressuring people to step away from their principles. Do you think that it's an important part of how we live our lives is to not assume that the, that the system is correct and the system is moral and the system is just and to actually have a little bit of compassion for the people who are falling outside of the rules and going, well, how is the system enabling them or facilitating this sort of movement away from what we would think is principled action? Do you think it's a valuable concept for us to carry around? 100%. You know, we are individuals and we make our own decisions to an extent. But let's be honest, we are part of a, a global society and one which we are able to interact with on a daily basis. Um, you know, if we try and kid ourselves that actually we're all independent of that and we all make our own decisions, it's nonsense. You know, we, we are ultimately animals <laughs> that behave in a certain way <laughs> in certain circumstances. And depending on what circumstances impact on us, we, we behave in different ways. Now, is there a, a kind of diverse range in which people respond? Yeah, absolutely. And will everyone mm -hmm. respond in the same way in the same circumstances? Definitely not. But we can generalize quite well. And we can say, actually, the majority of people in these situations will be more likely to commit this crime or to mm -hmm. behave in this way. And I think that we absolutely need to look at the integrity of our systems um, rather than just us as individuals within it. Cool. So I want to take you at this moment into politics then because I think it's important and it's certainly a space in which I think many people are assumed to be totally unscrupulous and totally mm. without integrity, yeah. which I find really interesting because we vote them into power. Mm. Um, and I've always felt that one of our greatest opportunities as individuals to build a brighter world is to consciously use the power of our vote. Mm. You work with a lot of political organisations. How do you, we know if a politician has integrity? So what do you look for in your elected representatives and in the political campaigns you choose to work with? There's a number of things, and I, I don't think there's any one thing that, you know, if you get that right, then, then you will know that someone is a person of integrity. But I think, you know, first and foremost, voting record what have they done historically consistency within that you know have they consistently stuck to something now don't get me wrong having integrity doesn't necessarily mean that you stick to the same beliefs or support the same systems over and over again mm. you may well mm. act with integrity but really change what your understanding and therefore change what you might support However, it's a good indicator. I think it's good to, to look back and see, well, what have they been saying? Have they said that historically? What are they saying now? Um, and I think the reason that many of us don't do this is because it takes ages. <laughs> it takes a long yeah. time. So I absolutely understand why people don't. But I think, honestly, if we want to understand 
whether a certain politician has integrity, spend some time looking at and how they've behaved um, and whether they act in line with it. Two questions. Firstly, do you think then that we're kidding ourselves if we think we can sort of gut check if someone has integrity or not? You know, do you think mm. we're kidding ourselves if we think that we can just look at someone, a politician or, a, you know, a long-term friend and go, it feels like they have integrity? <laughs> I very much respect that kind of uh, intuitive feeling that we get about people. And I think that it should be paid attention to, but I think we should also be really cautious the extent to which we rely on it. If you just turn on television, having not engaged with politics for a number of years and just go, oh, you know, what's he got to say? Oh, yeah, no, I think he might be all right. I think you're selling yourself short a little bit. I think that can be combined with, oh, okay, I feel this way. Let me take a look and see if uh, <laughs> if there's other evidence to support my feeling. <laughs> if that measures up under empirical evidence. Yeah. The second question then, values and moral norms change over generations mm. and across cultures around the world. In your view, is integrity a fixed position in the moral universe or do you feel it can change over time? I feel that integrity itself doesn't change. I think what behaviors it leads people to carry out does mm. and I think that's because you know integrity is whether you're acting true to what your values are and I think that those values that society agree with can can change spectacularly as you rightly point out over time but I don't necessarily feel like the process of living with integrity changes that much um, I also mm. think that we shouldn't get overly attached to our behaviours. The reason I say that is because it is absolutely okay for us to change our opinions and change our beliefs and to change our practices. And we will almost inevitably, most of us will almost inevitably behave in certain ways and make certain decisions that when we look back on them, we feel like they weren't the best decisions to make. Does that mean that we weren't living with integrity at the point we made them? I don't think it does necessarily. But I think integrity is not a, a one-off process to go through. It is, it is constant. Mm. And I, I feel that throughout my life, I have to regularly check in and go, do I want to do this? Am I going to do this? Does this actually align with my broader beliefs and values and, and what I want to see in mm. society. I think a really good example of that is the company that I run, if not now, we work with a range of clients, but they are broadly within the social and environmental sector. But ultimately, the reason we say social and environmental sector is because we want to work for organizations and people and that are acting with the best interest of people and the planet at heart. And there's definitely a spectrum there, you know, and it's not mm. like we say, we only work for charities or we only, you know, there's not a clear distinction in that sense. You know, we work for companies, we work for sort of grassroots movements, we work for individuals that might want to fund a certain campaign. You know, we work for a range of different people. So we have to check in every single lead that comes in. We have to say, mm -hmm. you know, is this actually in alignment with what we want to do? You know, do we want to do this? And the answer might be, we're not certain and therefore, we're going to leave it this time. Or it could be, we're not certain, we're going to start and we're going to see how it goes after an initial period. Yeah, integrity is a constant process of, of kind of pausing and reflecting on 
what it is you care about, what means most to you, and whether you're living in alignment with those. So I hear you saying there that if we're living with integrity, we're not always going to make the same decisions. But tell me, Chris, if we're living with integrity, does that mean we're always going to make the right decisions? Definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Great. Does it always mean we'll make? No, I don't. I don't think it does. I think we are humans, and we make mistakes. And it's really important that we are open to doing that. I think if we fear never making mistakes, um, then we do very little. And I also mm. feel that the kind of call out culture, as it's been referred to, that we have now whereby people are scrutinized extremely heavily Mm -hmm. um, and often publicly shamed for something that they may have said or done, I think is really difficult for people, particularly people in positions of influence or positions of fame, to, to navigate. Because on the one hand, it's great that we have such accountability. It's great that we have people that are able to say, oh, hold on a minute, you know, you, you've come out and said this, but actually look at all these things you've said, or look at all these things that you've done. That doesn't seem in line with that. that in one way, that's good. And in another way, it allows very little room for any of us to, to make mistakes. To be human. To be human. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that ultimately, you know, it's really important that we recognize that, absolutely call people out, but the fact that they have, behaved in certain ways in the past is not necessarily indicative I think and hence why I said earlier you know when you a good way to to assess whether a politician has integrity you know part of it might be to look at their voting record and to look at consistency Mm. but it's not everything because consistency is not alone an indicator of integrity I don't think I think someone who has been very strong in a position on a certain issue and has pursued that and has at some points changed their view because they have uh, gained more knowledge or because they realized that what they thought in their you know very human way was the right answer in fact wasn't or wasn't mm. the right thing to do that that in itself can be a sign of integrity so it doesn't necessarily mean that you won't make mistakes. And to be honest, mistakes, are, I don't feel, are always a bad thing either. I think they uh, teach us a little humility, if nothing else. I really want to come back to that call-out culture that you were talking about, because I can see that it's probably one of the greatest challenges we face in the world today is that we've come to see everything these days with it like a purity filter. Mm. We've come to see the world as black and white, and that's not how the world works. So... Let's say that you have an opportunity to work on a project that will help preserve the environment, Mm -hmm. but in order to do so, you have to work with a leader or a group that you know to be corrupt or dishonest, Mm. or you have to work with someone who in the past has made some questionable decisions. Purity of integrity is actually impossible sometimes. So what do we do if by staying true to one of our principles, we undermine our integrity in another area? Yeah, that's a very interesting observation. And I think it's one that we should all be really aware of. I think I'll go back to what I said before. I think it's a constant process to undergo. And we have to make our own decisions Mm. on this. There are lots of things that can help us. But I think that the best thing to avoid, really, is 
just assuming, just assuming that, oh, this will be the case uh, and, not, and to not question. Because I think when we stop questioning, that's when we quite easily and not always intentionally drift away from living with integrity. I feel like we mm. should always question both our own decisions and the decisions of others. And the truth is, we may not be able to know. You know, if, if, if there is a company coming to us that are saying, you know, here's £100,000 to run a campaign on this issue that we know you care about and we really want to see sort of benefited. And it turns out that that, that same organisation has been funding projects which completely contradict that for a long period of time it's very hard to know whether you are taking money from someone and putting it into something good which in that situation is the best thing mm. you could possibly do even if you don't agree with how they obtained it or whether actually in doing that you are simply enabling an organization to continue to carry on with that behavior that has been so damaging do you feel it comes down to perhaps the injection of a greater good when you're sitting there and you're trying to decide whether to take on a project or make a decision or take an opportunity as a business or as an individual, and there are questionable elements to this decision, do you feel that it simply comes down to what we feel is best for the greater good? It probably does in a sense, yeah. And, and often we're guessing. And it can be an educated guess, absolutely. But we are guessing at what we think or perhaps predicting what we think the future will lead to. You really do have to look at this and feel like, what, what feels right to me at the moment? And be open to the fact that that might change. And if it does, be honest enough with yourself and with others and have humility and say, I made the wrong decision. Mm. I believed it was the right decision at the time. I can see that it wasn't. And I'm changing how I'm going to behave moving forward based on that. Right. Now let's get down to the real nitty gritty. Because you are a parent. Mm. <laughs> Do we have a responsibility as parents or as aunties or guardians or caregivers to set an example of integrity for our children? And if so, what does that look like? Yes. So I think setting an example of integrity is the important bit of the question that you've asked. Because my understanding mm. is that we can tell our kids whatever we want but ultimately they will mirror you whether they want to or not mm. or they think they are or not and I think that that's not to say that people will always copy their parents in in every way you know there there are great examples of children that have gone on to live very different lives to their parents and, and for the better often it's not that it's impossible but ultimately they will yeah, pick up on a lot of what you do. They'll watch you uh, more closely mm. than anyone else in the world and they will imitate you and, and your behaviours and your coping strategies and your decisions and of, often your kind of ethical framework. You know, they, they will be doing that. I mean, I, I remember hearing someone said to me recently that your inner voice is in part the voice of your parents. And, and I thought, mm. oh, that's, a, that's an interesting thing and I, I've, I've started paying attention to you know the things that I hear in my head and I think oh god yeah that is my mum <laughs> that, that is my dad so I think we do have a responsibility to to set an example of integrity I think having recently become a parent my daughter's 10 months old I think recently becoming a parent you also feel a sudden pressure to as well 
you know, mm. someone's watching um, <laughs> and you're you are responsible for another, you know, another life, another human being that is going to be behaving in, in certain ways. I think also, however, it's really important not to judge ourselves too harshly. I mm. think it's really easy to become uh, to feel a lot of shame around the things that we we wish we could do better particularly when it comes to being a parent and I think having a, a really strong sense of you know trying to do our best and really continuing to do that and being able to accept our own flaws and our own uh, limitations is really important part of that process as well. It's very powerful. And just before we move on, I just reminded myself of a story I heard many years ago. A father and his young daughter were buying tickets for an entertainment fairground or what have you. And under seven was free. And the gentleman said, oh, my daughter just turned seven last week. And the ticket holders said to the gentleman, well, why did you tell me? I wouldn't have known the difference. And the father mm. replied, no, but my daughter would have. And I think that's a really that's powerful example of the kind of integrity that we can demonstrate, that we can set an example for, for our children. Final question, Chris, and this is one that I ask every guest on the Eudaimonia podcast. Can you perhaps recommend a morning reminder? So this could be a daily ritual or a practice, perhaps an affirmation that can help my listeners anchor their daily actions and choices in a sense of integrity. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. Okay, so it is with integrity that I fully acknowledge that I'm rubbish at sticking to <laughs> a particular <laughs> a particular routine. Um, I I really wish there was one that I had found that continued to work forever. <laughs> I think if I was just speaking quite sort of broadly, I would say that it's it's great to to take time and to just literally give your space to do nothing, which as someone who runs his own company and <laughs> has a young, very young child, is far easier said than done. But just, yeah, just taking, uh, even if it's just a few moments to clear your mind a bit. I mean, I've practiced meditation before. Um, I've practiced yoga before for quite a while. I also went through a daily process called the Wim Hof Method, which involves breathing, meditation and exercise. Uh, and exposure to cold, actually. I've, I've, been, I've done many of these different things, and they've all helped me. And I think that they, they do give you time to just pause the kind of busy mind that is all about doing and all about thinking and help you kind of go back into being a bit more. And mm. to, I think from that place, we are able to make better decisions when it comes to acting with integrity. But that said... I'm not going to recommend any specific <laughs> practice. Because from what I've found myself is that really, I don't think there is any one. I think, I mean, the ones that I've mentioned, meditation, yoga, the Wim Hof method, you know, all these, all these things can be really beneficial. Exercise can be really beneficial. But I think it really does depend on the person. I think what's important is that you find what works best for you at any point in time. And that may mm. change and that's okay in order to help you do that. That was precisely the value I saw in your answer there, actually. I thought there are some of us, if we're living with integrity, who simply cannot stick to the same routine over and over. So I actually adore that answer that you gave us there, Chris. <laughs> Chris Betchels, how do people find you and how do they find out about If Not Now? 
Great question. Um, so If Not Now is ifnotnowdigital.co.uk. We are just in the process of changing how we position ourselves slightly. We're going to be referring to ourselves as digital activists more than digital marketers because for just simple reason it sounds a lot better um, and also more more accurately aligns with what we do. You can find me on Twitter at chrisbettles1. You can also find me on Instagram at chrisifnotnow. And uh, if you want to drop me an email, then chrisifnotnowdigital.co.uk. Chris, I'm incredibly grateful to you for giving your time, your wisdom, your insights about Integrity Today. Thank you so much for being part of the Udemonia podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. I really, really appreciate it. It's been an honor to be on. American businessman W. Clement Stone once said, have the courage to say no. Have the courage to face the truth. Do the right thing because it is right. These are the magic keys to living your life with integrity. You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe and check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself and live each day with integrity. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.